Eddie Mayer on LBC. Call 0345 6060 Just hearing that a spokeswoman for the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, says he did have a green card when he lived and worked in the US. We'll get more on that statement as we have it. Now it's Friday. It's a quarter to five. It's Simon Marks's American Week. Eddie, America awoke this morning to news of the latest shameful, deadly atrocity by the Russians in Ukraine. The sounds of human suffering at the Kramatorsk railway station moments after the Russians appear to have dropped cluster munitions on fleeing civilians gathered there. The death toll stands at 50. It is likely to rise. The Ukrainians are justifiably calling it a civilian slaughter, bookending a week that began with other searing images. As the world learnt last Friday afternoon about the atrocities the Russians committed last month against civilians in you can't help but uh, uh, see these images as a, uh, a punch to the gut. Secretary of State Antony Blinken last Sunday on CNN for the first time using a phrase that he repeated like a mantra all week. Look, we've said before Russia's aggression that we thought it was likely that uh, they would commit uh, atrocities. Since the aggression, we've come out and said that uh, we uh, believe that Russian forces have committed uh, war crimes, and we've been working to to document that, uh, to provide the information that we have to uh, the relevant institutions and organizations uh, that uh, will put all of this together. And there needs to be accountability for it. But I think the most important thing is. We can't become numb to this. As Mr. Blinken was saying there that we mustn't become numb to this, his boss, President Biden, was taking to the golf course in Delaware. Unlike many European leaders, including the Prime Minister, he did not interrupt his weekend to make any public statements about the slaughter in Butcher, nor even to offer up a written one. But on Monday morning, when he landed back in Washington, he was ready to go. You may remember I got criticized for calling Putin a war criminal. Well, the truth of the matter is so it happened in Rufus. This warrants him, he is a war criminal. But we have to gather the information. We have to continue to provide Ukraine with the weapons they need to continue the fight. And we have to gather all the detail so this could be an actual, have a war crime trial. This guy is brutal. And what's happening in Bukha is outrageous. And everyone's seen it. Up to Allah. No, I think it is a war crime. At the end there, he slammed the door on President Zelensky's claim that the Russians are committing genocide in Ukraine. But by endorsing the idea of a war crimes trial for President Putin, he opened another can of worms entirely. America doesn't recognise the International Criminal Court in The Hague, not least because it doesn't want its own armed forces ever to face war crimes investigations for America's conduct in numerous past conflicts around the world. And Russia doesn't recognise the ICC either. One reason why Vladimir Putin's spokesman Dmitry Peskov was confidently predicting last night that there's no possibility the Russian leader will ever go on trial. It fell to National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan to explain how the Biden administration thinks legal accountability can ever happen. We have to consult with our allies and partners uh, on what makes most sense as a mechanism moving forward. Obviously, the ICC is uh, one venue where war crimes 
crimes uh, have been tried in the past, but there have been other examples and other conflicts of other mechanisms being set up. So there's work to be done to work out the specifics of that. While Mr Sullivan tries to figure it all out, the Russians exude confidence that there will be no meaningful accountability for them to face. Sure, they were kicked off the UN Human Rights Council this week, but 58 countries abstained and 24 countries openly backed Russia. Both of those numbers higher than when the General Assembly voted to condemn the Russian invasion a couple of weeks ago. Then, Joe Biden claimed the Russian ruble had been reduced to rubble by his crippling economic sanctions. But this week, it recovered to the same level it was at before Putin's army attacked and the sanctions were imposed. So the president on Wednesday tightened the vice, targeting, among others, the Russian leader's two daughters and telling a group of trade unionists here that he's seeking to inflict long-term damage on the Russian economy. Just in one year, our sanctions are lucky to wipe out the last 15 years of Russia's economic gains. And because we've cut Russia off from importing technologies like semiconductors and encryption security and critical components of quantum technology that they need to compete in the 21st century, we're going to stifle Russia's ability and its economy to grow for years to come. Folks, this is the United States... And we're taking additional steps in lockstep with our allies and partners to raise the economic pressure on Putin. A fact-based critique of President Biden's actions is hard to find in Washington. So far have the Republicans drifted from their ideological moorings that this week 63 of them, fully one-third of the party in the House of Representatives, voted against a resolution that was simply expressing support for NATO. The Putin wing of the Republican Party also this week voted against measures to strip Russia of most favoured nation trade status in America, and even even voted against a measure authorizing the U.S. government to investigate Russian forces for war crimes. So, to find the critique of the Biden administration's approach, you have to go to Brussels. And European lawmaker Guy Verhofstadt, the European Parliament's former Brexit coordinator. You know why your strategy doesn't work? Because progressive packages of sanctions with an autocrat doesn't work. That works with a democracy, with Democrats, who have a public opinion. A real public opinion. In Russia, there is no longer a real public opinion. The reality is that it doesn't work because the fifth package is what? Coal. It's ridiculous. It's only 3% of the imports from Russia. Swift, the ban. Ridiculous. More than 50% of the financial institutions are still outside the ban. And the oligarchs. The oligarchs, yeah, we extend a little bit to oligarchs. The oligarchs will escape, finally, the sanctions or lose a little bit of their money. And as if to underscore that, the White House couldn't even tell reporters this week whether either of Vladimir Putin's now-sanctioned daughters have any assets in the US for the government here to freeze. Still, it made a good headline. The absence of reasoned opposition in Washington was seen in plain sight this week when Defence Secretary Lloyd Austin testified on Capitol Hill. Seeking a Pentagon budget of $770 billion next year, you might think the Republicans, traditional supporters of America's military-industrial complex would race to write the check. 
but the defence secretary instead ran into a buzzsaw of fulmination from Republican Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, part of Donald Trump's pro-Putin wing in Congress. You guys said that that Russia would overrun Ukraine in 36 days. You said that the Taliban would be kept at bay for months. You totally blew those calls. And maybe we would be better at them if the National Defense University actually worked a little more on strategy and a little less on wokeism. Has it occurred to you that Russia has not overrun Ukraine because of what we've done and our allies have done? But that was baked into your flawed assessment. That was baked into your flawed assessment. And so I saw that the Obama administration tried to destroy our military by starving it of resources. And it seems the Biden administration is trying to destroy our military by force feeding it wokeism. I yield back. Now, let's set aside the fact that Congressman Gates is the subject of an active criminal investigation into the alleged sex trafficking of an underage girl. He and Republicans like him spent the entire week insisting that they are the enemies of wokeism and they see it everywhere in elementary school classrooms where they claim critical race theory is being taught, except it isn't. In institutions like the Pentagon, where they claim woke activists are defanging the military, except they're not. And they especially saw it this week in the woman who is now about to join the US Supreme Court. For yesterday, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson made history, as Vice President Kamala Harris was able to announce in the US Senate. On this vote... The A's are 53, the nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed. As the sustained applause in the chamber indicated, this was a moment of great celebration for Democrats and arguably for the country. President Biden making good on his, his pledge to seat a black woman on the Supreme Court for the first time. But Republicans didn't stick around for the ovation. With the sole exception of Senator Mitt Romney of Utah, they all stalked out of the chamber rather than run the risk of infuriating their grassroots supporters by commemorating the historic moment. Despite voluminous evidence to the contrary, they have portrayed Judge Jackson as soft on crime, tolerant of paedophiles, and captive to a vast left-wing global conspiracy. The dark money leftist groups that have been pushing to have a progressive on the Supreme Court have been pushing... Her. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, a Republican right-winger who took great exception to the fact that during her confirmation hearings, Judge Jackson simply said she was unable, on the spur of the moment, to provide a legal definition of a woman. They're trying to erase woman. They are trying to push this agenda of woke education. These are some of the reasons for me that I cannot vote to confirm her to the U.S. Supreme Court. The real agenda pushing, of course, is taking place on the right. You might think you'd be hard-pressed to find a more family-oriented organization than the Walt Disney Company. But we're at the stage in America where even Mickey Mouse is allegedly woke. After the company refused to support legislation in Florida and other southern states that would ban schools from teaching children about racism, sexism, gender or sexuality. Fox News host Laura Ingram with an extraordinary warning this week for two of America's largest and most successful corporations that have simply concluded the don't say gay proposals are intolerant. When Republicans, they get back into power, Apple and Disney need to understand one thing. Everything will be on the table. 
your copyright and trademark protection, your special status within certain states, and even your corporate structure itself. The antitrust division at Justice needs to begin the process of considering which American companies need to be broken up once and for all for competition's sake and ultimately for the good of the consumers who pay the bills. Never let it be said they weren't clear about their plans. Joining the attack this week, another of Donald Trump's favorite activists, right-wing rabble-rouser Candace Owens, directly equating homosexuality with pedophilia. A private meeting amongst Disney's top executives recently leaked in which the animation director stated very clearly that Disney has been, quote, so welcoming to my not-at-all-secret gay agenda. End quote. Yeah. Boycott them. Every park, every show, every coloring book. Because parents allow me to make this part perfectly clear to you. Pedophilia is around the corner. And don't you allow them for one second to convince you that that's some imaginary fallacy that exists in your head. The slope is real. We must not give these freaks and predators so much as one Chilling. In Oklahoma this week, Republicans passed laws to ban abortion completely, except when a mother's life is in danger. Never mind all that namby-pamby stuff about carving out exceptions for cases of rape or incest. Even that is now too woke for Republicans these days. The ban is due to take effect in mid-August. After that, women from Oklahoma will have to travel to Arkansas or Kansas if they want to terminate a pregnancy. The Democrats Democrats' leader in the Oklahoma Assembly is Emily Virgin. We have the haves, where people can access abortion care, and the have-nots, where people are forced to travel if they can afford to do so, or they're going to have to terminate their pregnancies without medical support, or in some cases, be forced to carry a pregnancy against their will. Again, it's clear what's coming. The November midterm elections here will not, in large measure, be fought over facts, because Republicans, in large measure, no longer agree to stipulate to them. But this week, at least one prominent Democrat was also having a little trouble in the factual department. What do you tell Democrats worried about the midterms? We got a story to tell, just got to tell it. Barack Obama was back at the White House this week for the first time since his presidency ended, the guest of honor at an event commemorating the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. But he used his moment in the limelight to tell a bit of a story of his own. In an interview with The Atlantic, he engaged in a rewrite of history when the subject turned to his administration's failure to punish Vladimir Putin sufficiently when Russia seized the Crimean Peninsula from Ukraine in 2014. As somebody who grappled with uh, the incursion into Crimea and the eastern portions of, of Ukraine, uh, I have been encouraged by the European reaction because in 2014, uh, I often had to drag them kicking and screaming to respond in ways that we would have wanted to uh, see from you know, those of us who, who describe ourselves as, as Western democracies. That is flatly untrue. It was President Obama personally who torpedoed efforts to send Javelin anti-tank missiles to Ukraine out of fear that their provision in 2014 would, you guessed it, escalate the conflict. It was Barack Obama who imposed sanctions on Russia so diluted after Crimea's annexation that Vladimir Putin may well have concluded he wouldn't face much meaningful punishment if he tried to seize the rest of Ukraine this time around. 
As we wait for more news about today's slaughter of innocents at the railway station in Kramatorsk, one can only wonder whether a tougher American stance seven years ago might have saved some lives today. Facts are stubborn things, Eddie, which is why so many American politicians currently prefer to ignore them. Simon Marks's American Week, back in two weeks' time. This is LBC. I'm Eddie Mayer.